to the Gameology Podcast, episode 16, a case study on Shovel Knight. I am one of your hosts, Matt. And I am Attila Gabriel Brinsky of Blue Screen Productions. But yeah, as Matthew mentioned, we're going to be discussing Shovel Knight, which I've played all the way through, and you've just sort of had an initial taste of. What do you think so far? Super impressed. I, yeah, I'm probably about two hours in, gotten to the world map, beaten one of the big bosses, gotten to the next boss that was giving me some trouble. I've played it exclusively on my Vita. And I'm just going to upload the cloud save and try it on the PS4. It's uh, I've heard a lot about this game, obviously. And I, I'm going to say that all that praise was well-deserved. I'm glad to hear you think so. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed, like, I, um, I I first saw just some, like, gameplay footage of Shovel Knight, I believe, on the Game Grumps channel. And I was like, pause, must buy, must try for myself. And I did. I got it on the Wii U um, just so that I could sort of, like, hold it in hand and play it on the screen. It was... Uh, I figured, why not, right? And uh, yeah, I, I, I did play through the whole game. So uh, perhaps my thoughts are going to be a bit more, I don't know, the uh, initial glamour of the experience might have uh, dulled a bit as time went on, I'm afraid to say. But um, I definitely, yeah, let's let's acknowledge what we liked about the game so far. It's a beautiful, like, colorful experience. It uh, controls very tightly. Um it looks like what you remember NES games looking like, but it's it's somewhere closer to a 16-bit game. It doesn't go for the total Super Nintendo look. Like, I know that they're aping what 8-bit games look like, but it it brings in a little more power and a, a softer palette. It's It's got the uh, rose-colored nostalgia glasses on. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of uh, the Gamma Space guys were making a joke that it's like, yeah, Keiji Inafune got upset with um, Capcom. He couldn't make any more Mega Man, so he made Shovel Knight. Hmm. <laughs> And it's, and I mean, if you're going to think about Mega Man and Mario, I'm, they kind of, this game cherry picks everything from the platforming days and really seems to take like all the best bits. And from what I've uh, encountered so far, like puts them together in a very harmonious way. It's almost like, this is one of those games that's got such a nice charm and it could be the nostalgia could be a factor, but there are many elements that come out and it just puts a smile on my face like, oh, world map. I kind of miss these. And they don't give that to you right away. Uh, walking through a town, village, two-dimensional style, pressing up to talk to people and it being useful and then being organized in the right way and it making a lot of sense where some of those other games could be a little bit uh, mysterious in a bad way where you're like, I'm not really sure where to go. Mm -hmm. Before all games had this like Ubisoft world map with like an arrow telling you exactly where to go. Yeah, I think that um, the game does a great job at like paying homage to a lot of great um, experiences of the past. You know, a lot of people have likened it to a Mega Man experience just because of the fact that you're like tackling all these different world bosses and they all give you some power within their levels. Um, in a way, it's uh, a bit sort of Legend of Zelda esque in terms of like getting a new um, item within a specific level. The core difference is that you're not just awarded this item, you have to pay for it in every single level. And this is where the game's penalty for death becomes really important because you have an unlimited number of lives. But when you die, money bags with little wings on them pop out of your corpse and you have to navigate back to where you died and grab those money bags. Um, should you die again, those are just gone for good and you lose more money. Um, so it's, it's almost like, you know, as you mentioned, the game is sort of like cherry picking experiences from a lot of different things. It's got the, like the pogo cane from DuckTales. It's got, um, sort of like Mario, um, style platforming, but also very Mega Man inspired. And this death mechanic has clearly been cherry picked from Dark Souls. 
um, just in terms of like losing some currency upon death, not all of it, just a, a portion of it. And then you have to sort of trek back to where you died and grab it again. Now, I'm going to uh, come down a bit hard on them and say that they shouldn't have grabbed it so directly from Dark Souls because where it works in Dark Souls, it doesn't work as well in Shovel Knight. Main reason, in Dark Souls, you can, uh, you have like a sort of a freedom of traversal. It's a 3D world. Um, you have the option of going back to right. spend your souls, um, of playing conservatively. This is a 2D game where you cannot but go forward through to the end of the level. And if there's one part in that level where it's just super difficult and you keep dying, you will lose all your money, which you then need to spend on the item that they're going to, you know, dangle in front of you. Um, now, they, they do sort of remedy that because they, they put the, um, the item that you need to buy in the town if you miss it in the field, if you miss it in the level, if you can't afford it at that time. But um, some of those items are super important, and some of those items are not as important. Um, there's a couple that you only use in a couple, in like very few um, instances throughout the game. So it's technically possible to get through certain experiences without having the correct item, but it certainly helps if you have them. Um, so just because of the way Shovel Knight is set up, it took this interesting risk-reward mechanic from Dark Souls, but you know they they didn't put the same level of consideration into it as they did a lot of their other mechanics in which they executed super well um just because you know the 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 game is is different it's not dark souls you don't have the option to like conserve what you have to invest it and then move forward when you're ready um you know because you can't backtrack in, in the levels you can't go to a point where it's safe if you lose your money you have to and, and you can't like earn more money that you need to like buy the um shovel upgrades and things that you get later in the game you need to just you know go back to level one one and farm gold oh, and then to farm in a 2d platformer yeah exactly i it's just you know in, in a game which does so much other things so many other things well it's a bit of a sort of sore point that i have with it like how they could have done it better, I'm not entirely sure, but there are just, uh, like, one of the main reasons that it becomes a problem is because this is a game which features instant deaths. Have you landed on a spikes or fallen down a pit? Yeah. Yeah, and you just, you know, for a game where you have a health bar, these are two hazards which are just an instant kill. And that means that, you know, very often they'll put enemies nearby these death pits, and then you get hit by them you get stun locked so you can't move and then you get knocked back and you fall right to your death and it's incredibly frustrating and of course the challenge is how do you kill that enemy before they hit stun lock knock back you to your death um and one of the best ways that you can get around this is with an item which you haven't encountered yet called the phase locket and that makes you invulnerable so you can walk on spikes and okay instant death pits are still a problem but you can phase lock it jump over and kill the enemy that was going to stun lock knock you back into your death um and then not in a, not take the fallback um knock back damage fall to the into the pit so it becomes an incredibly useful item in the game it just consumes a bit of your magic every time you use it um 
So I found myself like prioritizing, you have a choice between investing in getting more magic or getting more health. And I maxed out my magic right away just so that I would have the ability to use this phase lock as often as possible. Now, bit of an issue here, Shovel Knight is, as we've sort of touched upon before, kind of pretending that it's an NES game. Um, it only makes use of the A, uh, B, sort of like your primary, secondary, and then your D-pad buttons, uh, as well as like pause and select. Ignoring the fact that modern controls uh, controllers have a lot more buttons on them, um, there is an option in the game where you can assign your relic, your item, to a separate button. Um, so it was useful to have the phase locket on a different item, on a different button, because for the longest time I just found myself dying over and over again where I was trying to like jump, but then you have to hold up and B mm. your secondary button to activate the relic. And it was just really awkward in some spots of the game where I would end up like um, using my pogo, um, like pressing down when I didn't mean to or whatever. It's just, it was... I found that a big problem on the on the Vita was I let, uh, trying to jump and then hold down to get the pogo active mm. on the little Vita joystick knob and the D-pad. I found really tough. What I, I like what they did to slightly alleviate what, uh, that is that you don't have to hold down. Mm -hmm. It just You just tap down once and then for the duration of the jump, they'll be pogoed. But really with shoulder buttons right there, mm -hmm. um, your thumb is able to access two buttons primarily and shoulder buttons are just the... Evolution of gaming for a reason. They're super useful. I, I think I'll try, probably try mapping either the relic to that or the maybe even the pogo to that. I don't think you can. I think you have to hold down or like tap down. Um, and then I, I remember that there were like some, some moments burned into my memory where you would need to use your pogo cane to like bounce off of something, but then alternately not pogo onto something else. So you would need to tap down to bounce off of something, then tap up to cancel your pogo and then you would also need to use a relic around the same time. So you'd be like tapping up and then pressing B and you'd be like using your pogo. And it, it just, it became such a frustration of the, the way the controls are mapped um, that I, I had to change it so that the relic was mapped to a different button. And here's my question with so many buttons on the controller, why couldn't I have mapped like other relics to other buttons like mm -hmm. Legend of Zelda style? Um, because having that phase locket as a like go-to must use this super useful and it's not even like the developers only want you to tackle um like a challenge with one relic at a time because even in midair you can hit pause swap out which relic you're using and then unpause and use it then like hit pause and swap relics back and then use the other one so it's not like they're preventing you from tackling a challenge with you know more than one relic at a time but you have to go through the pause menu to do it and it just feels like if you'd have simply let me map these relics to more than one button on the controller, I wouldn't have to be going through this roundabout immersion-breaking experience. Yeah, it's it's a lot like what happens in, uh, in the latest Fallout. You're constantly pausing all the time, and you can really cheat the system where you're administering med, med kits during battle while everyone just the enemies just are in suspended animation uh, and it yeah it really does break the flow it's supposed to be a game that's about a lot of forward momentum uh, those enemies that are on platforms that is one of the elements i wish were not cherry picked from the good old days and that's mm -hmm. a reason that a lot of people have never seen the end of a shinobi game or a batman game on the nas is that those enemies knockbacking from platforms are 
they they're hard they can be harder than any dark souls boss out there they can be one of the most difficult things to encounter and especially if you once you start introducing multiple enemies in that way and having their movement patterns overlap in disastrous ways it can be almost impossible to get through well what i've been doing to cancel the uh, the pogo is I, I use the attack and i found that that's yeah yeah that's, that's there, a, there are other ways around it but just when you're when you're presented with a, a challenge where they're like demanding so many things of you and um it, it can just get a bit overwhelming and it's something that they they i'm not sure how they would have gotten around the issue of the, the pogo thing but ha at least they do give you the option to map the um, relic used to a different button i just wish there was more freedom of choice in that way um i can appreciate the elegance of having a game which tries to get by using very few buttons like this is this is controlling uh to my understanding the same way that like castlevania would and the the good old nes is like you have a your sort of like alt item that you use by holding up and then pressing the uh, secondary button as opposed to using your whip um but i you know i i just it was a necessity and it's not it's not any better and there were there's always there's always going to be times that you, where you accidentally use that and mm -hmm. if it's an item that is on a limited amount of use because it's taking down a magic bar or you only have say five daggers you can throw by pressing up and b to accidentally throw one of those away is a disaster i mean there is no reason for them to only use two buttons it's not i mean if you were trying to make it so it could be released on every system out there and handhelds but even handheld systems have shoulder buttons now it's just it's a part of gaming mm -hmm. and uh it's yeah it's a shame they didn't take better advantage of that yeah so uh i guess just while we're um you know we discussed death last time and we touched upon um how shovel knight handles death very briefly and then i sort of steered it over to the dark souls analogy because I, I wanted to talk more about that in this episode um but while we're sort of not too far away from death and we've we've touched upon it a couple times in the show how shovel knight has some instant kill obstacles um which by the way directly directly inspired me to not have any insta kill obstacles in zarnok fortress um because i just i hate instant death pits i hate instant kill spikes um the difference being in zarnok fortress I made it so that you can play on hardcore mode where everything kills you in one hit. So you either have this understanding that you have a life bar and certain um, enemy attacks or certain hazards will do more than one point of damage, but you, you know, this is a, a contract that I'm agreeing to with the player where it's like, listen, you have X amount of hits before you die. Um, you can jump and know that you're never going to land on an instant death pit. Sometimes there might be an enemy waiting for you and you should, you know, th there's only a very few circumstances in the game where you can drop off the bottom of the screen and it be like not, not work out well for you. Um, yeah, you could, you could easily replace an instant death pit with something that slows progress. It could be like a muddy swamp area. It could be like a, a thing of fire that takes damage from you, but something that affects you as much as the other enemies do rather than 100% kill. Yeah, it's just a small measure of inconsistency that I don't really like where everything else in this world takes some you know point of damage off you. You get a like a mini boss in the game that like just full on steps on you. It takes a point of damage. You get the like end game boss which hits you with this powerful ma magic blast. It takes one point of damage or maybe two. You touch a little spike, you're dead. And it right. just it, it feels really inconsistent. And I, I can understand that they're trying to create um, a certain level of challenge. Um, it just I don't know. The inconsistency is what gets me. There are obviously games. Like uh, V, 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 V. Um, I had to count it out on my fingers because I know you have to say V five, uh, six times. Um, 
where there are a lot of instant kill hazards, but checkpoints are reasonably spaced out. And the most important thing is you don't have a health bar in that game. It's just a given, again, a contract with the player. Everything kills you in one hit. And that I find is much more honest. So I, I'm not against instant death in general. I just think that there's an art to it. Yeah, because when you break down what the, you're asking the player to do um, when it's successfully navigate past a pit or successfully navigate past an enemy, they're around the same thing. You're asking for them to time a jump in a particular way, watch where you're going to go and predict the patterns of certain things. So it's for you to hit a spike or to hit an enemy, you're, there's not a huge amount of difference other than the consequence. And I can see why that does seem, not only is it like immersion breaking from this world where I believe I am a Shovel Knight, it is, yeah, it does seem a little bit unfair. And, and it's, I don't think anyone was missing that from older games. I mean, we missed the color, the charm, the challenge, but not necessarily the, the, it's, uh, we want it to be challenging, but we want it to be fair in a way that uh, people want to see the end of the game eventually. I feel like so far what I've encountered, and I'm only trying to tackle the second boss, I felt like the challenge has been very enjoyable um, compared to, say, Mega Man games where I think I've beaten just a f maybe one Mega Man game in my life, and it's it's a real grind. And I think I did that with save states as well mm -hmm. on the Mega Man Legacy Collection. So it's I've enjoyed the challenge so far. I haven't gotten to... Yeah, I've, like uh, you were you saying. You mentioned, yeah. Game... I mean, it's it's overall, it is a really great experience, and it's one of the few that promises, like, the sort of title of NES-level difficulty, um, and does it reasonably well. Um, I know that there are some other games that tout that, and then just resort to things like certain blocks that look like every other block killing you, or that you fall through them, things that are not telegraphed, and, you know, as I mentioned before, when you have an enemy standing on a platform that's going to knock back kill you... Um, you have to see that and recognize it and know how to deal with it. So at no point does Shovel Knight come across as being just completely unfair in its difficulty. Um, it's well-earned. It's just one of those instances where, you know, should these uh, failures lead to instant death? Perhaps not. Um, you know, even in Dark Souls, which is a game where you're, like, renowned for, like, being brutally difficult and where, like, practically enemy any enemy right up until the end of the game can like two hit you uh if you screw up right um because you can always block those hits or dodge them or there's there's usually a lot that you can do to get around death in a game like that and you know sometimes you do end up in a scenario in shovel knight where there's just so much being demanded of you all at once that death is practically inevitable at least a couple times until you eventually master it. Maybe just by spamming that phase locket, um, which is why I'm really glad that they give it to you so early in the game, because it is incredibly useful. Much more useful than some of the other relics, which um, I guess sort of unlike a Legend of Zelda-style game, you know, as I mentioned before, if you fail to purchase them in a level, you have to just beat the level without it. And... Um, they did make it possible, but in, in making it possible to beat the game without these relics, it means that you never get a chance to really um, experience the possibilities enabled by those relics, aside from a couple of like challenge levels that they sprinkle throughout the game. And so those are some of the most fun, because they're clear examples of where the designers are like, okay, we know you have this relic, so use this to get through this level. And if... Uh, if they'd allowed the player to map multiple relics to multiple face buttons, like I was suggesting, 
then you can create scenarios where you can say, okay, the player needs to equip these two relics and they need to use both of these items to get through the game. And that would just lead to a more sort of rich gameplay experience, um, you know, which simply is not possible given the current layout of the controls. Yeah, it's a, it's a, always a potential limitation of going with open world and a true open world. I mean, we've seen some RPGs that they say they're open world, but really there's a, a very linear way you need to approach the game and which towns you need to visit. But allowing, uh, in, just like in Mega Man, allowing the player to choose any of the levels to go through means that you have to make sure that without any power-ups they can get through it and mm-hmm. that and that really does limit what you can do and it's and they it can remove some of the uh definitely the more interesting challenges that a, a designer would you know would be able to mess around with and all the crazy combinations you could come up with and that's something in gaming that a lot of gamers enjoy is is a there's a progression you know taking your character and having those abilities getting wings flying whatever taking out more enemies that are than are possible it's what makes metroid so lovable is is that progression and accessing areas that you couldn't before because of that because of those abilities and it would only work if um if they locked away those areas behind those abilities Mm -hmm. now you you could sort of do like even in shovel knight they do this they have these sort of like uh different tiers of the world where after you clear those first two levels you get sort of like a a lock point on the map you can't proceed past that until you've beaten both those levels and then similarly, the game opens up and you have like, I think, three more areas you can tackle. And then again, there's a lock that you face until you've beaten everything else in the game. And then I think it's the final challenge after that. Um, so they could have gone the approach that, you know, you can't proceed until you have the items, but they don't. They just, they they lock it away. So you have to just beat those levels. And at no point, because they, they've never assured that the player has those items, they can never count on the player having those items, and they always need to design around um, that issue. So if they just awarded the players with those items rather than having to make you pay for it, um, you know, it, it, it would sort of make currency almost meaningless within the game. Because, you know, if, if you don't need to buy items, I mean, yeah, there's some shovel upgrades that you can get, which are kind of nice, and there's some different armor abilities um, which you can get, which modify the play style in certain in a certain way, but you know it, it's it's really the struggle with trying to add a currency system to the game, and then how do you make it important? Oh, by taking away the thing that the player needs most. Oh, except if we made it so hard that the player needs this currency to get these items, they might just go without the items, and therefore we need to design our levels so that it's possible to beat them without the items. So you can, you know, by creating just a bit more of a constricted experience. Um, constricted is a bad word i think um you you want an experience which is catered uh, just a bit better um again i don't pretend to have the answer of how they could have made currency more valuable while simultaneously not um withholding items from the player until they had a certain amount of currency i just don't think that went over well because it ends up limiting their own creativity and the potential for um more enjoyable play experiences later in the game i mean that's the challenges of game design is that you add something and it's going to come with its pros and cons and it also has to balance with all the other elements in the game to remove the currency completely i think would probably ultimately make it a weaker game and would affect um the joy of using the shovel in a lot of ways and searching for secret areas i haven't reached any of these upgrades yet but i definitely love the currency system so far because um I've been able to use it on a few things in the towns. They do have mm-hmm. some of these upgrades and to not have it, I think would, um, it would completely ruin the, um, 
the allure of exploring and looking for secret spots, finding those walls that look like one shovel blast is going to knock out, you know, five yeah. squares of them. And, and it would also ruin the, the, uh, sort of the, the add extra consequence and that fear of death mm-hmm. and uh like no, normally i'm not a, i never look for loot i never look for anything else but this is a game that has me when i do see that big red ruby and i know that it's worth 50 and it's on a time limit especially mm-hmm. if it spawns from an enemy and it starts blinking away I, I mean i've really enjoyed hunting those down so to just try to mix that in better and maybe just not have it attached to such important parts of the game i guess would be the only way you could really improve it I think Shovel Knight is a all-around fantastic game, and I don't want people to come away from this podcast thinking that I disliked it in any form or fashion. I just think that there are a couple examples like, you know, borrowing the loss of currency on death from Dark Souls that are like, they are good mechanics, but they're good mechanics because the game's built around them. And, you know, I in designing my own games, I, I know how tempting it is to see something, a mechanic in a game that works so well that you just gotta have it in your own game. Um, but you have to acknowledge where that does and doesn't work. And I think that as wonderful as a of a game as Shovel Knight turned out to be, imagine how much better it could be if they, um, you know, maybe by the time they come out with a sequel, they'll have um, streamlined these things just a little bit and you'll just have an even better experience. And I think that's what we really want from these kind of games. Yeah, it's it just because the Tanuki suit is a really great thing in Mario 3 doesn't mean you should put it into Gran Turismo. Well, Atila, is that going to do it for this one? I think it will. That was episode 16, a case study of Shovel Knight. You can find me on Twitter at GameThinkTalk or GameThinkTalk at gmail.com. If you'd like your questions, comments, or rants potentially heard on this show, you can find us on iTunes under Gameology. You can check it out on the 90s Kid YouTube channel. Also type in Gameology. You can find me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro, as well as visit my website, as well as... <laughs> you can edit this, right? Yeah. As well as edit my... <laughs> okay leave it in leave it in it's fine uh as well as visit my website bluishgreenproductions.com uh, where you can find my extended thoughts on every uh, on the subjects we discuss every single week and you can also check those out on gamma sutra on my website you can also find an easy submit button for your questions or comments that which might be read out on the show and we might even get a chance to answer them bye-bye